I serve now as the director for the Newman Center at Oregon State, and I remember, I think it was a year ago, we, I, I received an email with a um, set of awards that were given to us, awarded to the Newman Center. And, you know, the, these awards were for being the best campus ministry in town and the best outreach to the community. And I said, like, this is strange. I never heard from this company, and they're sending us all these awards, and, like, how do they know? So I started researching a little bit, and I realized that there's no merit at all. They just want your money. If you're willing to pay for those awards, then you can put them on your billboard or whatever. And so far, Ivan, he receives the same emails because he was the director before myself. And so he sends me an email. Uh, what, is, what is this? And I thought he was going to, you know, commend me and congratulate me for, like, how, you know, we got an award. So I explained to him, you know, there's no merit, don't worry, these are worth nothing, and we won't, uh, like, follow this path. But he said, make sure, I, I know that things are going very well, but make sure to stay away from awards. <laughs> and I learned the lesson that day, and I think it's very, very true, because success in the eyes of God is not necessarily the same as popularity. And those two things in the life of Jesus, at, at times they did go together. It was popular to, to follow Christ. And we see the multitudes and many people coming along with Jesus and following him. To 5,000 people he began to speak in this discourse that we are reading. So many people in, in multitudes, they came to him and it was popular to follow the teachings of Christ. But Jesus is not afraid, he's not fearful, he doesn't back out when those two things depart, when popularity and success in the eyes of God, they depart from one another. And that is the moment where we land in the gospel today, a moment of decision when many are leaving and some are deciding with a greater heart to stay and to follow when it was unpopular to believe. That is the moment in the gospel today when all the disciples, the 5,000 or more who started listening to the teachings, finally they can't do it anymore. And Jesus turns to the 12, the ones whom he has poured himself out into. He looks at them and he also opens the door for them. He says, do you also want to leave? It is a historical moment because the 12 could have left. Maybe they, they, they could have left. And maybe we could have lost Peter on that day when Jesus asked that brave question. And we would have lost this amazing apostle, the first pope, who evangelized in Rome and died as a martyr. We could have lost John, the one who founded a church in Ephesus and these amazing teachings in the Gospels and in his letters. We could have lost James and Thomas, the great martyr in India, and, and all of the apostles. We could have lost this, this amazing man. But Jesus is willing to run the risk to open the door so that they can make an intentional decision and not just stay by default. He wants their hearts, and that is what he is after. And so he has to open the door necessary to them. So what is that turning point? What is that teaching that is almost like a, 
standing or falling moment in the life of the apostles. And we read in the gospel, to, well, we read in this chapter that we didn't get to read in the gospel today, but it's coming from the teachings of Jesus in the Eucharist, the discourse of uh, the bread of life. And so Jesus has been teaching for a long time about the bread of life until he comes to that climactic moment in his discourse where he would say things as, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you won't have life in you. It is that teaching on the Eucharist, on the real presence, on receiving Christ himself in the Eucharist that becomes a turning point where they're confronted with a decision that they have to make. And so they say, this teaching is hard. It is difficult to understand. The Eucharist is not a hard teaching. It is not a difficult teaching to understand. Many simple people, poor people, children believe in the Eucharist. Why is it hard? What do they mean when they say that it's difficult? That word difficult is used twice in the gospel to describe Jesus' teachings. Once is about the Eucharist, as we are reading in the gospel today. And the other one is about celibacy, those who give their whole hearts to Christ. And why does it come up with these two teachings? And I think because there are two teachings that imply that Jesus Christ is not just merely a teacher who teaches all these things that we can accept and we can, you know, put ourselves uh, behind. But there are teachings that imply that He is the Son of God, that these are teachings the teachings of God, that they have an impact over our whole lives. So only if Jesus Christ is God, whom he claims to be, he can stay with us in the Eucharist and we can receive him every time we receive him in the, in the host. If Jesus Christ is God, as he says, he's the only one who can claim and who can ask of those who are called to leave everything, to have only one possession, to live their lives in celibacy. And there has always been that temptation in the church to just accept what, you know, matches our own standards and leave the rest. There has always been, since this moment in the gospel and all throughout history, that, that temptation to accept things just with our own standards. And embrace almost like a religion of the day, a religion of the world. One that is fitting and it doesn't conflict at all with the world. But it matches it perfectly. It has always been a temptation. However, we know that these teachings of Jesus are parts of a whole that is bigger than just a part. So you, we cannot get away with that. We cannot accept just one part and make it our own without accepting all the rest because they are part of a whole if not we end up corrupting and ruin, ruining the whole teaching so the invitation of Christ today because he is God is to follow him with our whole hearts with our whole beings he wants to involve the whole of who we are and so he necessarily has to open the door for us and put us in front of a decision having to renew that decision constantly, daily, in our lives. 
And I think that the gospel that we read today is very providential because it's almost like a parable of the times that we live in today. Maybe there was a moment in history when, you know, Christianity or, or, or the Catholic faith was the popular thing to do in times of Christendom and when it was easy. But those two things have long departed from, from one another. The truth of what Christ teaches and the popularity of it. And we find ourselves more in a moment like those, that of the apostles. Where choosing for our faith is choosing to be a part of the 12, of, of, of a minority compared to the 5,000. And so the Lord necessarily needs to open the door for us. So that we can make again an intentional decision to follow him. Because it is hard to follow when we see others who are leaving. Imagine Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the twelve. There were people there who departed at that moment of that teaching, whom they know, knew very well. Maybe people who they brought to, to follow Christ, whom they invited along. Probably many friends, many kinsmen, people from their own towns. People that they knew very well, and they had to see them leave. But Jesus still has a plan. Only by those who are able to make an intentional decision, he would be able to reach all those who have departed at one point. I just had this amazing conversation with uh, Cristina Michlach from, um, um, in Corvallis. And she is uh, from this country that was under communism for many years in, in Eastern Europe. And it was the first country to be self-proclaimed atheist in the world and at the time of communism. And, and so faith was truly, uh, was really persecuted. Churches were turned into nightclubs and all these, you know, theaters, all these different things. And, and all faiths were persecuted, Muslims and also Christians and especially Catholics. They targeted Catholics. And she told me the, the stories of her family, how they would gather in a basement to pray the rosary and nobody could know in the middle of the night because they were they say that one out of three people were spies in the country and so you didn't know who you could trust only your you know the the ones who were closest to you so they would gather to pray the rosary that's all they had and they would pray the rosary turn on a radio in Italy and pray the rosary in Italian and and they couldn't talk about that outside of that meeting with those who were there at that moment because you never knew who was on what side. You know, it is in those moments, maybe that's a little extreme for us, we are not at that point, but it is in those moments when we realize the importance of making an intentional decision to follow in Christ. Making that intentional decision has uh, three key elements that help us to grow in our faith. The first one is that it fills us with certainty. Because certainty is something of the heart. And that's what Jesus wants to get at. He wants to get our hearts and he wants to give us a certainty, a conviction that can only be gained in our hearts, not necessarily in our intellects. Look at the apostles. They say, they, they don't say, Lord, to whom shall we go? We have come to understand everything that you just said. <laughs> it's not, that's not what they say. They say, on the contrary, 
you have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe that you are the Holy One of God. They believe that Christ is God and they take that step. And because of that, it is easy to believe in the Eucharist. It is easy to believe in celibacy and it is easy to believe in any of the our teachings of Christ. So it gives, it, it gives them and us a certainty, a conviction of the heart that can only be gained when we make that intentional decision to follow him. In the second place, it is personal. So it gives us a, greatest, a greater trust that we are here because we have made that decision. That we are not just here be, because of others or because others are following uh, Christ or by default. But it is a decision that can only be personal. It can only be done by you. Each of the apostles had to respond, Lord, I believe. I am willing to stay. I am willing to pay the cost. It is a personal decision that has consequences. But it gives us that certainty again of being personal and not something that we borrow from others. And in the third place, it brings us into a new community. There is that temptation nowadays, you know, especially, to, to think that we are on our own, that we are by ourselves, that we are you know, the only ones. Am I the only one who is doing this? There is always that, that temptation. And the apostles, maybe they felt that way when they saw everyone leaving and they might have looked at themselves and say, are we wrong? Maybe we, we just totally followed a, a lie. What's wrong here? But it is only once they make that decision that they become part of another community. That they realize that they are not by themselves. That there's 12 of them. And that Jesus with those 12 who had made an intentional decision, he would change the world. And so it is the case of Joshua in the first reading that we just read. As for myself and my family, we will serve the Lord. It is making that intentional decision that brings us into a stronger community of those who believe and who have set their hearts on fire for the Lord. So today's is a homily of encouragement <laughs> to all of us to, to know that the Lord has revealed himself to us and we cannot deny that. But it is not something that we just fall into. We need to make an intentional decision and we need to renew that. There's many benefits to the times that we live in so that we can make that personal decision and not just follow because it is popular and because everyone does it. And I finished with that, this phrase from Teresa of Avila. She said once, follow Jesus Christ with an open heart and no matter what may come, let nothing frighten you.